Hey, how goes it? Ken Bozak here to talk about Bitcoin and Bitcoin accessories. And I'm here with John, aka Bitcoin Errorlog of BitRefill, one of my favorite Bitcoin accessories. At least it is a Bitcoin accessory to me. It's a Bitcoin necessity, if you will. Uh, John, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Let the audience know about yourself and maybe a little bit about BitRefill. Sure. Um, some of you know me as Bitcoin Errorlog. I spend a lot of time giving people a hard time on Twitter. Um, <laughs> For BitRefill, I was doing a project called Exotica, which was live streaming um, Bitcoin-only campsite. Um, still have that, but right now focusing on BitRefill. And BitRefill, I joined in December, and we're doing mobile top-ups and gift cards and some new Lightning Network stuff. Yeah, guys, so if you are uh, holding some Bitcoin or earning it and you want a place to spend it, definitely check out BitRefill. And uh, I want to segue back a little bit. Wait, you said something about campsites and crypto? Oh, my. Yeah, yeah, I heard, I heard you have your own stories in this regard as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, I used to date a cam girl, and since I was into crypto, she kind of got into it as well. So um, it was really cool. But, yeah, man, uh, I just think that it's it, it's such a – I don't know, so, so much synergy in use case in that industry. And um, I would say the cannabis industry, uh, you know, just as much because of the um, you, you can't really have a bank account if you're an adult actor or actor, you know, they give you a hard time at banks. Same thing with cannabis industry. If you're even an employee, let alone the business, good luck getting a bank account. Um, so the power of having this store of, you know, your value somewhere like in crypto and not have to worry about a third party stealing it just because terms and services change overnight. Plus the freedom to just me send money to my favorite actor or actress from anywhere in the world, you know, without having to go through any third party without them taking, you know, note of it or data analyzing my fetish or something like that's that's a whole different thing we can get into with blockchain and the privacy of like cryptos. But I think it's just empowering for the people that are in the industry as a whole. Yeah, I think there are definitely use cases in that in that sense. Um, it might be that it's just a little too early for the moment. Um, they need to understand Bitcoin, what it can do for them. And, you know, a lot of the a lot of the challenges in the adult industry, they kind of write off as cost of doing business, you know, like when a payment processor closes and everybody loses their money, they just say, well, at least we made a lot of money doing something else. Or the processor and, um, steals 30%. Because that's like the digital well, pimp fee, know, really. I, I think that middlemen do provide a service. And, and I'm, I'm not really always one to jump on complaining that this person is too, taking too much of a percent or such because they're getting that percent because the market is letting them get that percent. That's true. Because they must be providing some kind of service. And there's a whole dynamic to how that industry works with how people are getting enough money to be able to do what they do. Um, and so I don't know that Bitcoin is going to save anybody a lot of uh, problems with middlemen providing services because there's a lot that's, that it takes to get traffic and, you know, provide services, provide the platform, et cetera. Um, then there are studios and things like this. Um, but yeah, for, but you want there to be a path for people to have independence. So like, if, so, if a model wants to model independently from her own home and earn her own money and not have to worry about a bank account, Bitcoin can do that for them. And it can also give the, the customer privacy as well. So he doesn't have to have, you know, things showing up on his credit card statement, people tracking who he is, uh, adult sites keeping his financial information, et cetera.
Yeah, and then you had like an Ashley Madison hack and there goes your marriage because your privacy was in somebody else's hands and that's what happens, you know? It's, it's important to be I aware. I deserve it, but I don't know. No. That's not not for me to decide yeah it's not for us exactly it's definitely not for us to decide that is uh, too deep to be one person judging it's you know too many topics too many uh moving parts but i want to touch about you know touch into uh spending crypto you know i've actually used bit refill to you know buy domino's pizza gift cards and buy mm -hmm. porn with those coupon codes um you know because a cam girl would say oh i'm hungry or something on twitter and like as a joke, I'd always be like, hey, I'll send you some dominoes. And they'd be like, I don't want you to know where I live. I'm like, that's not how the internet works. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just send you a code. You use that on your own dominoes app and the pizza comes to you. I don't know anything. And just just send me some cool foot fetish porn and we're friends. <laughs> yeah, is that your thing, the foot fetishes? Oh, man, yeah, yeah. And it's because I started camming with my ex that that even happened. I was never into it. People would pay us to do foot stuff. And next thing you know, I'm like, I'm kind of into that. So I kind of got paid to get into a fetish. It was weird. Well, it's good. It's good to get paid for your education instead of pay for it. <laughs> right? Exactly. So I'm just wondering, have you ever used your own platform like for putting those two things together? Like the thing that you used to be with, with the cam girl crypto, and now you're with like, you know, bit refill and you can do things with crypto like that. Have you ever like paid a cam girl's phone bill or something? No, no. I mean, I was more on the side of providing the platform. So um, sure. I don't know. I think I think I'll bring it back somehow in some way when I have more time. But right now, I'm really mostly passionate about working at BitRefill. And, you know, I'm here now with them meeting the whole team for the first time in Spain. We're having like a little uh, company retreat where we're doing like internal conference and, and presentations and getting to know everybody and planning for the rest of the year. And it's just, you know, we have a lot of cool stuff planned and we're really all excited to like just do Bitcoin business, you know? Yeah, I've seen a lot of, you know, partnership announcements from different companies and wallets that are including BitRefill in the wallet. So where people can hold their private keys and, you know, it may be a wallet they're familiar with and they feel comfortable with, you know, BitRefill is kind of becoming an ubiquitous feature, you know, like send, receive, bit refill it's like it's just one of the things that are in all wallets now like if you open up a traditional wallet people have their driver's license credit card sam's club you know it's like these guys are like setting up to be kind of like a crypto sam's club in a sense you know it's it's uh it's an ubiquitous well, market now it's tough for wallet makers to like monetize like in the end it costs money to have a developer make right. a cool wallet and you can only keep developing on those wallets for free for so long and they have to find some way to make money and so some of them will like hook into an exchange and let you buy or sell bitcoin through an exchange and some of them will do things like add app markets or add things like bit refill and so we do have a whole widget program where we integrate with partners and that way they can you know give their wallet users access to be able to just within the same app buy you know gift cards and mobile pop-ups and stuff like that it does make it convenient and it gives the wallet provider a way to make money. Yeah, I actually think uh, I got an interview lined up with uh, Amin Samadali, I think, or Amin's from, from Spank Chain. Amin, 
Um, and I was thinking about bringing up to him even the incorporation of bit refill so I could do what I used to do without all the steps, right? Like if, if Spank Chain had bit refill in their wallet, I could just buy pizza and it would just send the pizza to the cam girl and I would, you know, get whatever uh, was on the what was on the menu for that at the time. So I think yeah. it would be a really cool encompass. Uh, like just it's so awesome that that's like where you came from. And this is what you're doing now. And like, I just see so much like unity and solidarity and just bringing them together. Uh, because I could just pay a cam girl's phone bill or uh, top up uh, Netflix or whatever. It's there's so many things that you can do with this. It's really cool to play with. And then I, I think about just the social media engagement. You know when uh, if you know there's those tip me bots on Twitter. It'd be really cool to see like a bit refill uh, plugin for like a, a Twitter kind of engagement where you could like tweet somebody um, you know a bit refill code or something that are DMs even if they don't have. Yeah a way to do it. It would be really cool. We don't have that exact idea, but we do have some cool, innovative ideas that I hope to see come to life this year. Um, I can't really talk about them, but uh, it's not a tip tip thing, but we do have some, we are trying to rethink what we can do with Lightning and what we can do with, you know, offering people ways to live on crypto. So Lightning's really awesome, man. What, what are your thoughts on the Lightning Network? Could you touch on that a little bit for the audience, maybe for the noobs and then segue into more advanced if you want? Sure. Um, in general, like when Bitcoin first came out and when, well, each stage where it first became popular, you know, people would say things like, oh, it's re it's instant payments and they're cheap and it's like nearly free to send. And then as people learn more about how Bitcoin actually works, they learn that there are confirmations and that this complicates, you know, things for merchants, uh, having a wallet and private keys and all these details. Um, and I think that what Lightning does is it's kind of like, the second coming of Bitcoin, because now the you can use Bitcoin in a peer-to-peer -peer way through through Lightning channels. It's instant and it is super cheap. So like finally, there's a better user experience that's just waiting to happen. That's on the commerce level. So merchants can have you know instant settlement. People can have hot wallets that are Lightning Bitcoin instead of you know normal wallets. Um, and I think that this is the chance for everybody to have like nice sleek UIs in their wallets and nice sleek looking software and, and do a good job onboarding the next round of Bitcoiners directly into Lightning. Yeah, I, I think you touched on something that was really important earlier about, you know, it's hard for wallets to earnestly, uh, you know, make revenue off of the services that they provide. You know, that's why they do a lot of partnerships with, uh, you know, companies that have good ethics. But I think the Lightning Network will provide a really unique ability for wallets to create channels within uh, themselves and people using their wallets in and out to where that, that might be a possible decentralized revenue source for uh, wallet companies that they don't have to depend on, you know, um, any any way of anybody being able to really stop that source of funding, right? Like we're going to use that lightning channel because I trust, you know, the Monarch wallet. So I'm going to use Monarch's lightning channel whenever I use the lightning channel. So I'm going to use theirs. It's a decentralized wallet. So it can't really doesn't matter if they get shut down. I always have my private keys. So, like, I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on the ability to actually make revenue off of Lightning channels? Is that something that's feasible because it's such small amounts and the fees are so small? Or does it is it is it feasible? I think it's actually a lot more feasible than people realize. Um, awesome. Like right now, people laugh. 
they say, oh, look, I made a thousand Satoshis off of a month of running my node, or, you know, like, they joke about only making a few dollars by routing, like, shit tons of payments, but to me that says two things. One, I can't wait for the day, and I think it's going to come sooner than I than people realize, where I'm going to say, oh, I remember when people used to laugh about getting Satoshis, and now everybody wishes they had Satoshis, like... Like one day, I think Satoshi's will be worth a lot more on the individual base level. But aside from that, I think people are really underestimating how the cost of Lightning transactions will scale and, and the kind of services that people will think of to provide on top of Lightning that will make people route a lot, lot more payments. And so we'll get a lot higher frequency of, of fees. So yeah, the fees will stay low, but we're going to see a lot of new ways that people use this network because it's so high frequency and it doesn't have to take up permanent block space in the blockchain. And so you're going to see people come up with new ideas. I mean, I don't want to give you the ideas because we're still trying to decide which ones to do ourselves, but um, there are ways to monetize on top of Lightning by providing services, being well-connected, converting people's coins, etc. Mm. on and off the chain providing liquidity capacity like like we did with Thor. Right. Um, yeah, that's really important. A lot of people don't understand the importance of the liquidity like there that that the the amount of flow running through the channels has to already be sitting there. You can't you can't move a thousand Bitcoin unless there's a thousand and one or whatever Bitcoin in a channel so you can move it through yeah. it. And, and in the end we have to remove that kind of I think you froze uh, you froze for a minute. In the end, we have to we have to remove that kind of uh, user experience, that bad user experience uh, from the wallets anyway. So you know, eventually, Lightning Network is going to keep developing and, and removing this friction from people, so they don't have to really realize that capacity is even a thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're right, and um, I think that starts with you know things that are kind of trending right now with the whole tip me. Uh, movement on Twitter where everyone's creating lightning channels with you know fellow crypto Twitter friends and I don't know I I really think they could, that's a great start. Yeah, the LN trust chain was cool because um, it didn't really like mean anything in and of itself like people just passing Bitcoin around on Lightning Network, but what it did was it caused a lot of people to finally make the jump to installing a wallet, figuring out how to use it. And so everybody, you know that everybody that on that that's on that trust chain, which is like I don't know, 300 people now or something, uh, 250. I don't remember. I can't remember last time I looked. But you know, at least that many people have all learned how to use Lightning, installed it, and can teach somebody else how to use it. Right. And that's I brought that up earlier. Like that's what this whole like community that we have kind of is in a sense. Like we we are what other people are looking at. It's like the trends, the fads. You know, it's still like that. So when something cool like this comes out it's almost like that tip me is like the fidget spinner of crypto right now like everyone's into it it's such a fad and i hope that it catches on to like non-crypto people as well that can see like you know people that work in industries like the adult industry or the gaming and streaming or other outside of crypto podcasting that they can see like yo people can send me a couple cents that that was never really possible before and that opens an entire market up to you know people want to give things like gofundme kickstarter and all these like they wouldn't exist if the urge to to give wasn't there naturally it's only prevented by the minimums right or the on-ramps to do so so it's having to go through kyc and then having a minimum of x amount to have to send through a visa card or something it eliminates a lot of people that want to participate in that movement. So now you can just open up a wallet, send me some Satoshis, couple cents, and that's 
pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Like another example I'll give you of something that people will be able to do that might be something you can make fees off of is streaming payments. And if you can, since, you, since Lightning can let you stream payments, this means that if somebody is spending on one end and earning on the other end, you can have a middleman that, that's taking his fee for providing some kind of service. For example, we could say like a campsite. Like Spank Chain, Amin doesn't like me, and he probably won't partner with the refill. <laughs> but go ahead and bring it up. Maybe he's a reasonable guy and it will be interested. But Spank Chain is proclaiming to be decentralized, but there's nothing they're doing is decentralized. Interesting. But something like, Light, like Light, Lightning Network could actually remove as much of the custody aspect of centralization out of that equation as possible. Like, you could have the customer open a channel to the campsite and then stream his payments to the campsite and have a smart contract that will take the fees for the campsite and then pass the fees, pass the rest of the money immediately to the model's wallet. And so the campsite, all they have to worry about is providing a platform for centralized streaming. They don't have to hold anybody's money for more than a moment. And so there's no there's no aspect of depositing or withdrawing anymore. There's just streaming the payments right through. So is that a lack of uh, the technology at the moment, or is it just a yeah, lack of incorporation? Technology isn't there, and the people aren't interested enough to make to draw the technology to happen faster. Like this is what I would be doing with Exotica if I was still doing it. Interesting. But, um, not what I'm doing. I moved on to something else for the moment. Well, I think but maybe if Lightning gets a little easier from other means, it'll be incorporated into other aspects of uh, the industries that have already incorporated crypto or blockchain in some sense. Like, I had a really hard time with, uh, I think it was, um, I can't remember the platform. Crap. I, I lost some some uh, Satoshis playing around with the Lightning Channel before because it crashed or it closed or something and nobody could withdraw because the, ch the channel closed and it was just weird. But uh, I, I've had issues already with playing around with it. And there's already jokes about like tip me exit scamming for like $4.20 taking everybody's money and running. I'm like, yeah, it's probably how much has been moved around so far, but still, um, it is still $15 in my tipping. It's wow. Well, I was, I was just people are still skeptical about Lightning Network. So maybe, um, you know, compare some of the cons to the pros right now. Like, is there more, potential negative uh, uh, bugs or hitches that people could run into than the positive implementations of it at the moment? I think it's all FUD. I think what it is is people keep projecting and saying what, what, what will be possible or would be more convenient and making it sound like you can't use it now, but you can use it now just fine. Yeah, there are some risks to using it properly. You have to know what you're doing. And like if you don't back up your state of your channel, you can lose information and lose some money or all money even. Mm. But that's why they're limiting it to small amounts. That's why you know they're, they're kind of gating the whole protocol to make it so nobody that, that can take on more risk than they know they're getting into. Um, but in the future, we'll have things like watchtowers and ways to back up states. We'll have be able to keep one state instead of all states to, to maintain the channel history. And they're just constantly making ways for it to work better. But it takes time. It's a very elaborate system, and there's a lot of paths people can go down to what interests them to optimizing in the system. So, you know, it'll be years before we see everything, you know, people's mind really open to the possibilities of what's capable, what Lightning's capable of. But that's what makes it so exciting is you can get in now and be a trendsetter and, and trailblazer if you want to.
And there's so many cool ways to get involved. I mean, there's the Casa. You could do it yourself with, like, the uh, Raspberry Pi. And you could run a full node from a freaking satellite with Blockstream, dude. They have a, a freaking satellite node kit. It's, like, 120 bucks. You throw it on your roof, and you're just, you know, it's, like... I don't know. It's it's. I almost feel like when you're starting to look at a lot of this stuff, we're like the digital doomsday preppers. You know what I mean? Like the the financial collapse is equivalent to like the you know government and uh you know uh military collapse or something. Like we have so many hardware wallets with shit coins instead of like uh uh MREs and you know water and purified like stuff. It's it's funny, but I really do see the dominoes. Right, right, but uh, no tinfoil hat required. You can see the dominoes falling from Venezuela to even in France, where they're just burning money in the streets that they have, like, ran forklifts into banks. They're running forklifts in the banks, taking money, risking getting shot and killed just to burn the money in the street as a metaphor to, like, it's it's worthless. Why? What, what, what are we even going to steal? What, why? You know what I mean? The message is much bigger to burn it than it would be to go spend it. Um, so it's not far-fetched to see that this is going to be uh, a pretty pretty well-used technology, especially when you look at Venezuela and how they're really incorporating Dash. And BitRefill and Dash seem to have a pretty you know ambiquitous like partnership where you get like 10% off when you use Dash. And the Masternode system with like the private InstaSend is pretty comparable to like Lightning Channels and you know off-chain transactions in a sense. So I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on things like uh, that that can compete with Lightning Channels like Dash and the the Masternode systems. I mean, I'll be honest with you, you know, my, my alignment is very much with Bitcoin and Bitcoin technology. And I say that with a dash would, tattoo, but respect. <laughs> it, would, it would take a while for me to get into like all the arguments as to why, but just in general, I'll say like, I think that Bitcoin by being the most decentralized and the most valuable and the most stable and having the best developers, if you go ahead and build layers on that, that allow you to instantly transact cheaply. It makes it very hard. The, the, the altcoin proposition becomes very difficult to convey because that's mostly what they did. Like, I feel like altcoins persisted for so long because it was a way of Bitcoin scaling. Like Bitcoin was getting bigger, you know, laterally instead of scaling. And so people just started making more coins. And these coins realized they could say, well, look, you can send them, you can send uh, this altcoin really quickly and really cheaply, even more so than Bitcoin. Um, but that only is, remains true while those coins stay small. And then, then you see, like for example, like with Ethereum, the bigger these altcoins get, if the design isn't the same or better than Bitcoin's, which so far none of them are, they actually run into worse scaling problems. Mm. And now, and so now Ethereum is having problems. Their mempool has like forty thousand transactions in it. And they're trying to fight over how to scale, whether it to be proof of stake or sharding or all these things they want to do. But they're, in the end, they're not going anywhere. Um, and so they can't make those same arguments. And now, now Ethereum wants to do Plasma, which is basically their own version of Lightning. So yeah. if, if the best, the biggest altcoins can do is copy Bitcoin, what's the point, you know? Right, exactly. And I think, well, Bitcoin, it could be claimed that Bitcoin is copied from altcoins. I mean, with Segwit, uh, Lightning was first to implement Segwit and then Bitcoin Core. Uh, well, it was designed, but what happened there was Bitcoin Core developers designed it. And right. Lightning, because it was smaller, was able to activate it faster. 
um, because they are more centralized. They actually literally made a deal with miners to get activated. <laughs> so do you see, well, I've seen Light, uh, Charlie Lee talk about Litecoin implementing uh, privacy protocols into the blockchain by default. So, um, you know, I, I was thinking, well, wow, it's only a matter of time till Bitcoin implements uh, a means of privacy in the blockchain by default. But then I'm thinking lightning channels and, um, you know, the, the ability to open and close. I'm like, well, what, what kind of privacy does lightning channels provide or does it expose uh, any kind of uh, privacy that you would have otherwise? Because I always think about if I open channels with somebody and somebody was to move in, uh, you know, tainted Bitcoin from a blacklisted wallet or, a, you know, a blacklisted site, it could taint the channel. Right. And then we would have issues with getting uh-huh. our. Hold on, because that that's the same. That's Bitcoin. Like. If somebody can send you tainted light, lightning bitcoins, they can send you tainted normal bitcoins too. It's not a special. No, but then it would just be me that would be at risk, rather than my whole network in the channel. That would if I'm hosting the channel. But Bitcoin is a whole network of coins. Like it's it's literally the same thing. It's just on another layer. And and the, the funny part is is that actually because lightning transactions aren't stored in the blockchain, you have a much higher potential for creating privacy within lightning. Because you can totally detach the movement of coins from where they came from and where they ended. Right, sort of like a Tumblr, right? Sort of, um, but it doesn't settle in in real time like a Tumblr does. It settles at the end. So these coins can move around forever, and and eventually when somebody pulls them out, you don't know where they came from. They might look like they came from somewhere, but you have no more confidence anymore because all you see is the open channel transaction, the closed channel transaction. So this means like coin coin and coin analysis companies are going to have to start running lightning nodes. And this is the fun part is the only way they'll be able to get any information about a lightning network is by actually having Bitcoin and staking it and providing liquidity <laughs> on the lightning network. <laughs> so well, and then we would have to, have to opt in to use it, right? Nobody can make me use any lightning channel I don't want to. I, I could use the, the optional lightning channels. Yeah, I mean, you can choose your route, but in the end, the, the routing is onion routed. So you can each the person who who sees the routed transaction only sees that it came to them and where to send it next they don't see they don't know how many more hops it's going to go or how many hops it came before that so it could be um, the first or it could be the last yeah or it could be in the middle um, <laughs> so there is there's a lot of privacy options to be explored with lightning and we're not even seeing people talking about that yet people will talk about it it will be another facet to lightning um, but we're already seeing like like wallets like Samurai incorporate all kinds of other cool ways to obfuscate Bitcoin transactions. With, can like, can you touch on that? Yeah, a little bit. A lot of people don't understand that you know Samurai and uh, and some other wallets are already doing this by default without it even being uh, incorporated into Bitcoin's blockchain. Yeah, what well, well, what people don't appreciate is you can you can achieve a severe amount of privacy in Bitcoin if you actually try. Um, and there are types of transactions that can be created that really do obfuscate what you're doing and where your coins came from and where they're going. And so you have like Wasabi Wallet does a you know a coin join thing where you everybody combines coins and it becomes very difficult to separate out who got, who who started with what and who ended with what. Um, you have uh, Samurai Wallet incorporating other advanced features like things called Ricochet and Stonewall where they're just making it easy for you to choose privacy options when you're sending any transaction. Um, and, and, you know, if you combine these methods, 
with just good personal OPSEC with using whatever privacy methods come on Lightning. Well, to my opinion, this is better than having default privacy on Bitcoin because it, it diffuses uh, the government be able to say, Bitcoin is private and evil and we yeah. need to kill it because we can't see anything. But it's like, no, you can see everything on Bitcoin. What you can't see is what people do on their in their own choices. You know what I mean? Like Bitcoin itself doesn't hide anything from anybody. People hide things from people. Right, right, right. Exactly. Uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, that is true. I like that. Well, I don't know. I see like the potential for the lightning networks to be, which is scary because, you know, like to be taken over by the legacy corporations like banks, right? Like if, like you said, if you know, we want to, we want to see liquidity, where's the most liquidity, you know, banks, banks have liquidity. So if exchanges want to move like Bitcoin exchanges, crypto exchanges want to move large amounts, there's going to be a, an equivalent of a Bitcoin bank for those exchanges to move through in channels. And uh, it just kind of freaks me out thinking like, you know, Goldman Sachs bought Poloniex and they're already interested in this, uh, you know, community and industry and they're taking place, they're soaking it in. And I could see like a Goldman Sachs lightning channel opening where Binance, Coinbase and all like Gemini have to go through their channel. And like you said, you know, all they have to do is, you know, start, start data mining now if, you know, Chainalysis wants to really start to get, you know, the, the DNA. Why? There, there are some things you got right there and some things that aren't quite that the way you think like, okay. So the centralization aspect of a lightning hub, the, the reason why people are scared of centralization is either is mostly because of custody. It's that, that, that entity can not your keys, not your coins. You, you know, they can say, okay, you can't, you can't withdraw these coins. You can't, you know, these aren't yours anymore, or they got hacked and we lost all your coins. Sorry, but that's not how it works with lightning. The, the custody is in the multi-signature. So you, the, the, the hub can't steal coins from people. Its job is that your its centralization aspect is that it's providing liquidity. It's not in, in, in connection and connectivity. It doesn't actually hold the coins for you. It, they can't take them from you. So that's one big difference with saying, oh, what if it becomes too centralized? Um, the real risk with centralization and lightning is that it could cause a disruption if somebody was to close down. That's so a major. If, if a major hub closed down and they had all their channels on a timeout of, for some reason for a long time, people would have to wait for those channels to settle. But I think that's not actually, I think that's just like a, a myth. It's not, it's, it's like a, a demon where worried is going to appear one day that will never appear because the, I think they're just going to keep advancing the way lightning interacts where it's going to be that the only way that that would, something that would ever happen is if everybody really chose a really shitty situation to get into voluntarily. Right. By default, by default, I think we'll probably end up with, you know, lightning channels that can settle at any moment you want them to. And, you know, this kind of perpetual state of, of transacting that will be very low risk. Um, I don't think it's going to be like people say. Mm, where, interesting. Where, where the, well, all of a sudden, because a major hub went out, everybody's waiting two coins, two weeks for their coins. Or, well, doesn't that open the possibility for a double spend or a, a form of a chargeback in a sense after a transaction has been sent out, if the channel has been closed and you're waiting for it to settle? You know, um, the risk with not knowing when your channel will settle is that you, you don't know what the cost of the transaction fee will be. So you might have to see like a futures market develop for, you know, closing a, a channel or something like this so people can plan for it. But 
um, yeah, you don't, you know, if you open a channel today and you don't exit the Lightning Network for two years, well, maybe Bitcoin fees in two years are twenty-five dollars for a transaction, and you're, and you're trying to, and you're, and you're trying to withdraw twenty-five dollars, and you're like, shit. Like, <laughs> um, so, you know, you might end up staying in Lightning, and 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 they might have larger hubs that are through settlements that can afford to do on-chain transactions. But this is the whole point of Bitcoin. It's supposed to be a settlement layer on the base Whoa. layer. You just opened my mind up to like uh, uh, check cashing agencies of the future on the Lightning Channel where I don't have enough to pay the fees. So I send my Bitcoin to their Lightning Channel and they give me $20 and they keep five. That's pretty much what we're already doing at BitRefill. People just don't realize it. When, so, when but you, you can open a Lightning Channel right now with BitRefill and people don't realize it. Well, maybe, but but like it's more than that. Like, we allow people to deposit Bitcoin. We allow we give people a way to buy Bitcoin with with crypto with Lightning through the Fast Bitcoins uh, card, and we let people withdraw Bitcoin. I mean, and withdraw Lightning Bitcoin. So in a way, we can we can do forwarding on your check cashing already. Dude, we're living in the future, man. I feel like everybody wants this to move so much faster than, you know, than expected, but they're just not broadening their horizons and looking at the companies that are actually doing things like BitRefill. You didn't do an ICO, so you like that's where you fucked up. Nobody cares. No, nah, I don't care. I don't care. I don't have any shit coins that, you know, BitRefill pumps if I use them or if I pump them. So, who cares? You know, people people yeah. in this industry right now just they have their best. six games, they got to spend them somewhere, right? Well, that's the thing, right? They're not using them. That's the problem. That's why Bitcoin is, and cryptos aren't having such a healthy time right now in the market is the, the speculative investors really came in and all they want to do is day trade and they don't want to actually use the crypto. It's not moving anywhere. It's just sitting on an exchange, moving from one ledger to another in the exchange's hands. It's, it's never seeing market movement and the OTCs are just killing it. Yeah, I made a joke. There was this, this lawyer I follow on Twitter and he said, can anybody name a utility token that actually provided any utility for an actual product or service that people needed or want? And I responded, I said, yeah, it's it, it's the only thing we sell at BitRefill. And, and the joke was basically that gift cards are the real utility tokens. Yep. Like, if you want a centralized entity to issue a digital thing to you so you can get products or services, it's called a gift card. Yeah, I mean, that's and, that's exactly what they are. They're legacy utility tokens. And so now you have all these like ICOs that try to make gift cards look like bitcoins, and everybody pumped them, and now everybody got wrecked. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the the future of utility tokens in that gift card sense? I actually went to a conference and I got to talk to a lot of cool companies. Like even McDonald's was there, and I shamed them on their physical big mac tokens i was like that's that would have been cool in 1990 dude but like you could have done a, a, a waves token or an erc20 or any anything man i mean look what engine's doing you know they have these nfts that i don't know so i i kind of broaden their horizons a little bit but i'm curious what your thoughts are on you know companies making utility tokens uh, i joke around with a lot of my friends about erc20s being like you know, like that joke in Rick and Morty where it's like slavery with more steps because uh, you can't really use that utility token without gas and you have to get your customers to understand this extra step. But like there's platforms like Waves that have the um, 
what do they call it? Uh, sponsored transaction fees. So if you build a token on Waves, you can use the token that you created for its own transaction fee. So if I wanted to send you some uh, Spank, since it's an ERC-20, I wouldn't have to have ETH. It would just cost me X amount more of Spank, like any other currency. So like, what are your thoughts on like the, the future use of uh, like mainstream utility token gift card scenarios? Um, I don't... I think mostly, so far, almost totally, utility tokens have been a joke and not necessary. Um, but I do think, actually, I, you know, I'll give Spank Chain some props here. I, I think that they're one of one, if not the only, interesting utility token. Um, and it's not because of what they're doing with the campsite or what they're doing to decentralize camps. Nothing to do with that. It's that they, they're doing two things. Um, they're letting people stake what is essentially a security in the company to be able to get what is essentially dividends from the earnings of the company. But they have, I don't know if you know how much how Spank Chain works, but you get the Spank tokens and you put them in and you lock them um, and you stake them. And that gives you the ability to access the revenue from their business. Right. And they've essentially issued a security but they've done it in such a way that where they've maybe obfuscated regulations to be able to get away with it um, without actually following no more regulations. Now, that to me is interesting. It's mostly interesting because it's likely illegal, but it's at least they're, they're tapping into providing an actual utility. You know, like they, they found a scheme for getting somebody to invest in their company and get access to revenue. And this is way more interesting than just having a sentimental token that has the same name as the business that I like. Right. You know? Like uh, if I had like a Big Mac token and I staked it and it gave me a, a, a I don't know, a Mick Happy token that I could use as a utility to get 10% off if I gave them 100 tokens at the register or something. Yeah. So there's maybe some potential for using... Uh, tokens, you know, more directly to, for redeemable value, but all the ICOs were mostly focusing on redeeming them for access to the network, right? right which was not, which is what Bitcoin's already for. You you didn't need to make another coin to pretend to be Bitcoin. You could have just used Bitcoin. Um, That's usually my first say, question. You know, we, why not Bitcoin? Well, in the past, the correct answer would have been that it's too expensive or not fast enough. But now you have lightning and, and their, their excuses to not use Bitcoin are running out. Yeah, and it will keep running out. And I think that's the the funny like thought of it all is like a lot of these companies that are being built right now and putting so much effort into altcoin blockchains, uh, they're just basically building the open source you know, building blocks for people that are going to put that time and resource and take that and build it on Bitcoin and just it's going to be, hey, you remember Blockbuster? It's like, yeah, yeah. You remember like they're, they're going to be a thing of the past uh, real quick because I don't see as many people using altcoins as I do Bitcoin. Nobody is talking about any altcoin ETF. We have no institutional attention in most of these altcoins and there most never will be. Um, and the point of it is, is too demi centralized. Like even Ethereum is just way too centralized due to its demi god, you know, Vitalik. And I don't see companies being comfortable with that. They much rather, you know, deal with this Satoshi guy that they never met. I mean, I, I think altcoins will persist for a long time going forward. 
I just, I really do hope that we get to see, um, you know, when you have a, a more secure, more higher technology alternative, that we start seeing less speculation and more actual utility and usage. And that eventually just pulls actual value into Bitcoin where people just can't deny anymore. They just know that they have to realize better the risk they're actually getting into when they're specu purely speculating on coins without any utility. Um, there's just a lot of inefficiency in the market still. And that's the only reason why 2018 happened with ICOs is just, there was so much ignorance and so much people had way too much money to burn and it just caused a whole bubble of ICOs. Um, it happened along with Bitcoin pumping, but I think it's kind of how it happens too. Like people make money off of Bitcoin and they want to put that money to work and they want to keep doubling down and eventually the house comes and cleans up, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. You gotta, you know, don't don't let the house win every time. You always gotta at least get your uh, your capital back, and you can yeah, let my, my uh, I tell people if you're happy, stay happy. You know, they said like I have a guy who come up to me and say, "Hey man, I'm I'm in a trade right now. I'm up one BTC on Bitmax." And I said, uh, he said, "What?" He says, "What should I do? What do you think about the price?" I said, "I don't know. Are you happy?" And he goes, "Yeah." I said, "Okay, stay happy." <laughs> you know, just figure out what it takes to stay happy, and that's that's all you need to do. Right. Exactly, man. So um, I wanted to touch on NFTs a little bit and like, you know, the future market thoughts I've had of that is where, I, you know, I see jokes of memes of people on Twitter saying will work for crypto kitties and stuff like that. But jokes or not, I do see the market for NFTs growing uh, enormously. Non-fungible token like crypto kitties or um, like uh, what okay. engines doing, you know, things like ERC 721s. Well, I'll say this. I don't know if you need a blockchain to do this, but like, uh, I'm a big Dota 2 fan. And in Dota 2, like, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with it, but there are some other popular games like Counter-Strike and things like this. You have like uh, what they call skins, which are digital items that your, your characters can wear while you play. Yeah, and skins game... and Wax are doing this on their blockchain right now. Yeah, so you have skins and... And the, these skins, uh, Steam, the, the company that makes uh, Valve, Valve, the company that makes Dota, they kind of regulate this market where they limit the quantity of some of them are rarer than others and this kind of thing. So it creates value and, and they also provide an aftermarket. But the thing about the, the Steam market and, and the Valve uh, regulation of these items is you can never get back into cash. You, have, you can only buy more games when you sell these items. Mm. So now there are these websites that have come out where they have created bots that trade with each other and they manage what's essentially like layer two of Steam. And so they they hold custody of these skins for people and they let people use Bitcoin and PayPal and other payment methods to, to buy and sell skins. So they've created an, a, a kind of black or gray market where people can actually get cash or Bitcoin for these cosmetic items Dude, that is so awesome. that's maybe they just need to put these items on a blockchain and let people trade the items with each other and then maybe if i know this private key is this you know rare hat for my hero then i can sell it to somebody for bitcoin directly right or loan it out which uh that's something i've talked a little bit about with uh celsius network 
Dude, I mean, well, not just that, but I mean, imagine if Grand Theft Auto 10 comes out and all the cars are tokenized, you know, assets on a blockchain that there's only a thousand Ferraris in the online version, right? So only a thousand people can have these Ferraris. Well, I don't play the game so much, but I don't want to sell it because I'm attached to it. But I could loan it to people that want to borrow the car when they're online and I could actually earn off of, you know, loaning out a non-fungible asset that's, you know, an ERC-721 token. And it's I mean, actually not I, a dude, it's genius. And like gamers, I don't know about the token part, but just the concept of renting instead of selling uh, digital items is an interesting idea. Could you imagine having all season one Fortnite skins on lease, where people could borrow John Wick and just run around in season six because they can't get John Wick? It's vaulted. You know that skin is so desired that nobody would want to sell it, but they would be willing to lease it and let people play with the skin on. That's interesting. I think it would be cool to see things like that in Bit Refill, where like I could get a job at, at, at Valve. <laughs> I, th I think they drug test, um, but it's, but I think it would be cool to see things like that on Bit Refill, where I could potentially use NFTs and settle on a non fungible market, like selling three crypto kitties to pay for my Uber ride. You know, it would be well, like that's just that. the next step. Bit Refill can't be the one to create this because. We're a marketplace and, and we're, we're, we're processing lightning payments and stuff, but we're not a gaming company. So you can partner can with OpenSea. Have you heard of them? These skins, you know? So it ends up needing to be the central provider needs to get into blockchain and, and create and, and, and try this. Uh, and then we could list it on our market. You know, we could have a market where you could, you know, theoretically, if somebody, if every major game, you know, made it made their market accessible through an API, then we could put it in our marketplace and we could, we could have a whole skins marketplace. Oh, it's totally happening. I think Neon District just broke 4,000 uh, followers on Twitter in like a week. And I was at the conference in New York City where they had like their debut. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's like Mortal Kombat, but the characters are tokenized. It's like pretty yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, these games are happening, and I think it's just cool to see like you know where I where, or at least for me where I think it's going. Uh, especially when you look at like streamers like Ninja and stuff like that, and um, you know I'm even tokenized. I'm on two blockchains. I'm on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, I have a collectible sticker that's you know scarce in 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 uh, quantity, and then I'm on the Engine blockchain that just partnered with Samsung. So I'm 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 on a blockchain as a tokenized little me that's a, a default wallet in the Samsung 10 phone that's coming out. It's like. I feel like I'm so I had living a, in the future. Token, I'd, wallet, I'd make you give me some Ken tokens, but I don't have it. So. Uh, I got to make, see, I got my own shit coins, but they're collectible NFTs. So I am my own shit coin. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I, I'll show myself all day. Go get my tokens. They're out there. Pump them. I don't know. Somebody tweeted earlier that my coin doubled in value. So I was like, nice. sweet, I'm rich. <laughs> <laughs> so is that... Uh, that kind of segues into the uh, potential of a company like BitRefill to do like an STO and create their own utility token and stuff. Is that is that not something that would ever be in like, you know, the, the thought process of a company like this where it's providing a service, people want, you know, to provide equity or get equity into it and um, like something like that? I don't th I'm not saying it's something that we would never do. And, and even if we were, we probably wouldn't say it, um, you know, until we did it. But uh 
in general, we're a very Bitcoin aligned company. So you're not going to see us issuing an ERC20 token. That's what you mean. Okay. Um, but, but if we ever felt like it was, you know, I, I can't speak for the company in this, in this regard, but if, if it became a easy regulatory path to issue a, a, a token and we were choosing to IPO and we could IPO on Bitcoin, why not? Yeah, I think people need to check out things uh, like color coins and burning Bitcoin to create your own token out of Bitcoin value. It's pretty cool, yeah. like Ravencoin and shit. Cool. Counterparty, you could issue tokens on for years before ERC-20. Um, but I mean, it wasn't as fun. It wasn't as cool. You know, and that's that's funny because that's why I think Ethereum's you know, hurting right now is because it's being misused. It's a being abused for a, a very small feature that it wasn't really intended to facilitate so much use for that small feature. Like smart contracts got put on the back burner and ICOs were just like the main use case. And I'm hopeful that the uh, ICO market uh, incentive to die down and smart contract development to, you know, kind of increase I would like to see what it would look like with a year of as much attention that went into ICOs go towards smart contracts. Well, the attention that went into ICOs wasn't um, exactly technological attention. You know, it was a lot of marketing, a lot of promotion, a lot of investing. Um, so if you want to see a similar, you know, power of, of, of human resources be put into smart contracts, it's going to have to be back real developers and stuff. Um, well, the ICO market gobbled up the real developers, man. Six figures a month they minimum. There weren't, they weren't that many real blockchain developers in the place. That's true. Yeah, Jimmy was, Song's been spitting them out like uh, like a mama bird. It's you know, and there's a lot of uh, you know people out there right now educating you know Bitcoin development than there was before. You're definitely right. Yeah, I mean, some of these blockchains for these ICOs never even happened. You know, I mean. <laughs> There was a lot of ICOs, and a lot of them were just caught. The ones that did happen were just copies of other blockchains. Dude, yeah. that's the most successful ICOs left and did their own blockchains. Look at EOS and Tron and everybody who basically just used Ethereum as a Kickstarter to build their own blockchain. The successful yeah. ICOs EOS don't use scary. Ethereum. EOS is scary because they have billions of dollars, so it's like you can't really count on them going away anytime soon, you know, unless they really majorly fuck up. Yeah, well, I think a lot of companies kind of have in the bear market. Do you know we've seen obvious layoffs left and right from Steam, to, from EOS, from everywhere, and it's pretty funny to see Tron gobbling them up. Uh, you know, having them build on Tron's blockchain in the bear market, and I feel like you know if Bitcoin doesn't have a foundation like that, there is no like, you know, I guess. Well, no, not even, but like there's nobody out there like that is Satoshi to Bitcoin that there is to, you know, Justin Sunish trance. But that moment when I saw like a lot of these developers move into Tron, I saw the same like I was like, Bitcoin's going to do the same thing, except nobody's going to hire you outright. But you're going to be incentivized to get off that blockchain and develop on Bitcoin's blockchain eventually. Um, you know, I just like that's to me, that was like maybe one of the first steps uh, in the moment of history where we've seen um sort of like a migration of developers from multiple blockchains move to one like tron and seeing what tron's doing with that is pretty amazing and i'm just like bitcoin's going to get that same thing all these developers are going to migrate from multiple blockchains with multiple different skill sets to build on top of bitcoin well it kind of it kind of reminds me of like uh when facebook was getting really big like back in i don't know 
you know, 2010 years and that, and that kind of year area, um, I had a marketing company that I was doing. And one of the things we did was we would build websites for people. And I remember there was like this whole summer, the summer of Facebook where every other guy that came in the door wanted to build his own Facebook. And he's like, I'm going to make a Facebook, but it's going to be this kind of Facebook. It's, it's going to not suck the way Facebook sucks. It's going to have what Facebook has missing. And it was just like, like shit coins. Like it was sound like, like Roger Veer. I'm going to make a Bitcoin. It's better than Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so there were all these like, you know, it'd be, it would vary from like a kid to like an old investor guy. You know, he had, he had more money than he knew what to do with. So he'd say, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to put all kinds of money into remaking Facebook. And I'm like, man, and I would, I would basically do my best to talk them out of it. And once in a while they would still do it anyway. But like, they could have Why built are you on top be- of Facebook, you know? They could have done, uh, th- you know, games. A lot of companies decided to build games on top of Facebook. It made a killing. Look at Farmville. Holy well, shit. I mean, a lot of people made a lot of money entertaining those guys, saying, yeah, I'll help uh, you build your, face- your old Facebook. And that's kind of what the ICO market is. It's, that. it's like an aftermarket of people that are living a, fantasy, a blockchain fantasy. You know, they're trying, they're trying to pretend that they can relive what happened with Bitcoin and they just... It's like a fantasy. It's it's like LARPing. Yeah. yeah, you know, the only people that profited was the conferences. They were the hype men of the ICOs for sure. You know what I mean? Come to our conference. We're going to have this guy as a speaker. This guy as a speaker. And, I, you know, yeah. give us X amount of money for a booth. You're going to get investors. You're going to succeed and all that. You're right. They had a lot of a lot of hype men in their corner, um, you know, instead of realists. Yeah, marketers made a lot of money off of ICOs. Um, people selling ICOs made a lot of money most of the time. But yeah, I don't know. So Hopefully where do you... next the next pump won't be so uh, depressing to see people putting a lot of money into things they shouldn't be. Well, I think there was a lot of Darwinism that took place, and people will be able to to learn from spectating rather than participating off of that. Like there was no lessons to have learned from spectating a previous uh, event like this, right? Like there was no that's, hey, that's look... is that's not actually true. This did happen before, uh, you know. The, this is, the ICO thing wasn't the first time that we had this happen in Bitcoin. Well, yeah, altcoin phenomenon was like the first. Yeah. Well, first we had Ponzi's, and that was the first time people invested in dumb shit with their bitcoins. We had literal Ponzi schemes. Then we had altcoins. Then we had Bitcoin securities, where people were actually issuing stocks in 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 centralized exchanges that were like black market exchanges and. There are, you know, here's a stock in my mining farm. Uh, here's a stock in, you know, mining contracts. Here's a stock in, I'm going to be a trader for you and make money for you. And that stocks and everything. And then that all got shut down and people lost money. And some people got fined from the SEC and stuff. And then Ethereum ICO'd. And that was like the next wave. So like it actually has been happening and iterating with every Bitcoin pump. But, and it's been getting bigger, not smaller. That's the scary part. <laughs> and so I'm worried that the next Bitcoin pump, that there'll be an even bigger, worse thing than ICOs. I know well, STOs and utility tokens might be it. Like uh, I, I am seeing it. It's If not, it's going to be the non-fungible tokens, the NFTs, because a lot of companies are using NFTs as a sort of an ICO cash grab and nobody's fucking talking about it and i think i should just make a whole video on it but like right now there's so many games that you can buy non-fungible token characters in their game 
but the game doesn't fucking exist. The, the platform isn't there. So, like, you might as well just be buying a fucking ICO coin. So, like, it, it's a cash grab right now. And I think it's it's the next ICO phenomenon where a lot of people are going to be stuck with these NFTs and know where to play or use or do anything with them. Yeah, it could be. I would say that maybe stable coins combined with uh, security tokens could be a nice way to develop a really big scam and make people lose a lot of money. Like too many people put too much money in a certain stable coin or too many stable coins and then somehow that money gets locked up. Gemini, maybe, cough. Or, or an Ethereum contract crashes or something um, and, every, and everybody's balances get fucked up or something bad happens. Or security tokens where like companies realize that they can kind of double I, double IPO if they do an STO along with their IPO. Yes. Kind of fuck <clears throat> yeah, no, you're right. Well, fuck. I don't know. Let's say we into something no- more more optimistic, man. Um let's talk about the the we talk about the ease of usability, right? And just making the user experience more, you know, convenient and less uh yeah, you know, nobody wants to be a rocket scientist to spend Bitcoin. So how's BitRefill kind of, I would say, dumbing down this spending or using of cryptocurrencies for the average person? Um, I don't know that we're in the direct path of it, but we definitely think about it. Um, for example, like one thing that's really big uh, on our plate right now is uh, redoing the user interface for how you actually shop for the cards at our site. Like right now, we realize it's you know a bit few, a bit too many clicks to get to finding what you want, paying for what you want. Um, and, you know, on the kind of Bitcoin side, well, we're making it easier for people to use Lightning with Thor channels and things like this. Um, we accept other altcoins as well. So if you want to sell altcoins to be able to get Bitcoin or, or some of our gift cards, you can do that. Um, and what we do is we show people that you can actually use Bitcoin to get real stuff. Um, you know, and it's not always apparent when you introduce somebody to Bitcoin. Then they're like, oh, well, what the hell did I use this for? Right. You know? It's kind of like the first thing I show people anymore is kind of like my my Monarch wallet and my Bit Refill uh, app because I'll I'll open it up and I'll be like, look, like this is the wallet I use as a checking savings account, and this is my my pocket money that's on my Bit Refill that I'm going to be spending. And if I need to put some more pocket money into my Bit Refill, here's my checking account. I send it to the other wallet, like I show them, copy paste, upload, and then I buy you know a gift card for like i say like usually it's freaking dominoes i'm such a fat kid but um that's my go-to and uh, they're like wow like that's that was really easy and i was like look i didn't need to show any id i didn't have to go through any other like you know velvet ropes and all i had to do is download the dominoes app and give them the code and now my piece is on the way and you know this is yeah. really empowering that if you have a friend that's in a situation that's you know whatever I, I need something to eat you could help that person out I, like you know I, if if this was around when I was younger dude I would be all over teaching my grandma how to buy me pizza with bit refill because of how easy it is because she would be doing it all the time you know grandmas love feeding me it's just what they do uh, so just it's really cool to see like I could send a pizza from here to North Korea or whatever or you know or, or not exactly but you know what I mean it's just so borderless but um, I don't see people just so underappreciate the products that actually exist and the companies that are actually doing things. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely think we show that. Like, you know, a lot of times people will say, I have Bitcoin, but no, I can't go, I can't use Bitcoin at my restaurant. I can't use Bitcoin to buy my coffee. And, and like, now we're finally getting closer to where we say, actually, that's not true. You can, you know, like, people can use 
Bitcoin to buy their coffee with Starbucks gift cards or, you know, you, like we did the campaign a couple of weeks ago. You know, you can pay for your Tinder account yep. with Bitcoin. No, Tinder doesn't accept Bitcoin directly, but because you can pay through Google Play, you now you can use Bitcoin to pay for Tinder, you know? Yeah, I like doing it with Starbucks too. Starbucks is pretty cool. Uh, people, people were like, "Yo, you could buy Starbucks with Bitcoin." I'm like, "I've been doing that forever. Like, why is this now popular or cool? Like, there, you've always been able to do this with you know projects or products like uh, Bit Refill. You just don't, you just don't acknowledge them because you can't pump your bags or something. You know, it's, it's really upsetting to see like that's what gets people to talk about something if they're not able to you know grab a bag of it they just don't really get any incentive to check it out or talk about it and um, I'm hopeful to see more Bitcoin use ability like people using it rather than uh, just you know speculating on it and I think if people realize that they had two Bitcoin and they took one and did something with it, spent it, gave it away, used it, put out a bounty and incentivize somebody to do something with your Bitcoin on the line, or go to a local business and tell them you'll pay 10% more if they just accepted Bitcoin, stuff like that. Your one Bitcoin that you put on ice, that'll increase exponentially in value because you did something with the other one. Yeah, Bitcoin gets a lot more powerful the more we can make it a circular economy. You know, the less people feel like they need to be converting it into other monies, the stronger the whole network becomes. Yeah, that's how I kind of try to keep it. I try to keep it full circle. Like I get paid in Bitcoin. Uh, then I try to find people that are long term holders. So I'll, I'll, I have local meetups and stuff in like circles peer to peer. Um, so people, I'm like, close your Coinbase account. And they're like, well, how do I buy Bitcoin? I'm like, peer to peer. Like before local Bitcoins went mandatory KYC, they were the most empowering tool but now they're just a sellout in my opinion. So I think something like local Bitcoins where you just go peer to peer and I sell my Bitcoin to a long-term Bitcoin investor who's gonna make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm ensuring the Bitcoin I have in, in my savings doesn't get affected because they're not gonna dump. They're actually increasing the value. And then I can take that fiat and pay my rent or something like that. I don't know if, if local Bitcoins would be classified as a sellout in my book. I think what happened was they tr they, they're just trying to stay out of jail. You know, um, I, I think that they got away with providing that service for a long time. And eventually somebody gave them the hint that it's like, hey, if you guys keep doing this, you're going to spend the rest of your days in court if you're lucky or in jail if you're not lucky. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, I feel like that's the same conversation somebody had with Eric Voorhees or something like somebody sat next to him at the bar and was like, yo, heads up. <laughs> and uh, shape shifted the same thing and went mandatory KYC. And I think when I saw... Goldman Sachs by Poloniex, I totally foreseen the mandatory KYC phenomenon sweeping everybody. And I, I am yeah. very uh, aware that, you know, with Binance implementing the the ability to purchase crypto with big with a credit card and debit card. It's a matter of time until they have to implement some form of KYC for U.S. customers. And I just hope people get their money off that exchange before they just don't even have the means to, you know, people that don't have driver's license because they're unbanked and, uh, you know, whatever reason, you're not going to be able to go through it. And you're not going to get your money. It's going to suck. Indeed. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully Barryfield never has to KYC because that would require regulations where people say that you have to KYC for gift cards. Yeah. And it, it, it's separate regulation that would affect us, but gift cards have been around for a long time and you know they're not KYCing them yet 
Now, and you wouldn't you you have no need to lobby for them. They have uh, ginormous uh, pools of lobbyists that you know push for their you know ease of use. And I, you know I've told people every time somebody says Bitcoin money laundering, I'm like, you know how easy it is to launder money with a Visa gift card. Like it's it's not yeah. hard. I go into a store, I give them a bunch of cash. They give me a Visa gift card, and then I just send a text message of the numbers on the gift card to somebody anywhere in the world. I just laundered money. So it's well. Another interesting thing is you have to remember, money laundering is a legal term, and the definition of money laundering is when you hide the source of illicitly gained funds, or you are committing tax evasion. It's not privately sending value. That's not money laundering. That that's it's legal to privately send value. It's not an illegal thing to hide what you're doing with your money. Um, it's only illegal to circumvent specific regulations, which are that you have to pay your taxes, um, and that you can't you can't clean illegally gained money. <laughs> and so, if it's actually money you earned and you paid taxes on, and actually a legitimate use of that money, you have no necessity to have it be in the open that transaction. It's legal for you to privately transact things where you're not committing a crime. Yeah, it's uh, it's a God-given right. <laughs> so uh, I guess to kind of wrap things up, I didn't I didn't realize we were over an hour, man. So if you have more time, I could talk to you for days, bro. Like this has been awesome. Uh, it's been a long it's been a long day for me, man. I gotta I gotta get going soon. So uh, let me wrap things up here with uh, one last topic with uh, you know the bear market and uh, what are your thoughts on you know what it would take to see a, another bull run. Um, is it an ETF or is it the retail investors? Where wh- where do you see the next bull run being kickstarted? Like, what is it going to take to get another one going? Because it's it just seems like we're right on the edge of the seat of it. And then every other day, we're just who knows again. I, I think that um, a lot of people made a lot of money off of Bitcoin in the past few years. And there are a lot of people living off of Bitcoin and you know, it's there's a lot of downward pressure, and that's how we got here, and why we've been down here for so long. Um, I don't even know if we've seen the bottom yet. Um, it's totally possible it could go lower. I don't, I don't know. But what I do know is that to me, a Bitcoin is still worth twenty thousand dollars, and so I'm I'm avoiding selling Bitcoin anywhere I can under twenty thousand dollars. So the, that's the kind of trick of it is you have to be willing, you have to be in a financial situation where you can sell your bitcoins only when they're when they're worth more than what you paid for them um and and that's why people say only invest as much as you can lose or only what you can afford and all this this you know typical financial advice but what will it take to get out of the bear market it's basically you know when there's more demand than sellers i know that sounds like an asshole answer but it's the truth like you know right now there are still is is an equilibrium of as many people that want to that need to make money off of Bitcoin that want to buy it. And eventually what will happen is the sellers will dry up and there'll be more people that want to buy Bitcoin and it'll just start scaling right back up again. Um, And there's no way to predict how quickly that will happen or when it will happen. And I just think what we have learned from history is that it probably will happen. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's better to be trying to figure out how much of your money you can hold for how long and how much of it you can save in an investment that you actually have trust in um, than to try to be trading or trying to predict tops and bottoms and pretending you're some kind of oracle. 
Dude, I couldn't have said it better myself. So uh, one last recap on BitRefill. If you could, just uh, what could people expect for the roadmap that you can touch on? Because I know you said a lot of it you can't. So just uh, what can people expect from BitRefill in 2019 and where can they find uh, you and more information about BitRefill? Sure, I've got some things we can share. Um, basically, you know, we are going to continue expanding um, our product line for gift cards and our products in general, maybe into some new areas beyond the beyond gift cards but expanding both um, categorically and uh, geographically. So we're gonna make sure we cover as many countries as possible with as many uh, popular gift cards and popular options for living on crypto as possible in those countries. Um, we're gonna probably start dabbling more with bill pay stuff. Um, we're definitely gonna be dabbling more with Lightning Network related services and Bitcoin technology uh, and, and branching out into that area. Definitely gonna be doing that more. Um, going to be polishing up the website to make it more usable, adding more partners. Uh, we have, we're going to be appearing at a lot more conferences this year. So there's two or three people from the team that will be appearing at various Bitcoin conferences. So you can see us there. Otherwise, uh, you know, if you, if you want to spend your crypto on something, we probably have something that you could spend it on that you want at BitRefill.com. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Bitcoin error log on Twitter and on telegram, if you want to chat. Uh, and that's about it. Man, thanks so much, man. I appreciate you coming on. Shout out to everybody over at BitRefill. Uh, where'd you say you were in against Spain? Yeah, we're in Spain. God, this must be so nice, dude. It's like winter where I'm at and there's snow. And Just say hi to everybody and give them a hug for me because I've been using BitRefill to like help me live completely off of crypto like for over a year and a half now. So without you guys, yep. life would just be so much more inconvenient. So thank you. And everybody, uh, check out Bitcoin Error Log on Twitter and BitRefill. And yeah, John, much appreciated, bro, bro. Have a day. Thanks for having me, man. I had fun.